Welcome to The Conspiracy Castle. I'm your conspiracy asshole. And tonight is a lovely night to unplug from the Matrix. That's right. I have a very personal uh, guy I look up to, a guy I, I like. You know, I really respect the guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a lot smarter than me. He's going to realize I'm kind of a dumbass. But I don't care. I'm Primetime 99, Alex Stein. And Jay will also learn that, which will be excellent. So I just want to say... With all that, I didn't want to waste my time doing a big intro because I want to bring the main man on himself. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. Dyer, how are you doing this evening, Jay? Good. I just was sitting here twerking, shaking my thick with two C's butt, like that ass. That, that song got me going, dude. Yeah, so that's DJ Assault. That guy is a ghetto tech DJ out of Detroit. He's a truther. He's come on my show, so I try to pump him up. DJ Assault, mad respect. You can buy his whole catalog, djassault.com. It's 60 bucks, I think, for like 85 songs. But Jay, I got to say, for the people that, you know, I, I wanted to tell you all this before. I have to be a little bit of a fanboy, even though it's just a homo. I'm saying, Jay, when I looked, when I listened to your stuff with Dave McGowan, and that's where, like, when I... When I got into Dave McGowan, and that's how I found you, Jay. And then I got into your oh, esoteric Hollywood stuff. Blew right. my mind. Because what it did is I knew that. See, when I graduated from college at LSU, let me just tell you a little bit of my backstory. I moved to California, and I was like an extra on a bunch of shows. Like The Office, you know, I got I booked a couple of commercials. And I was on some big movies, Spider-Man, you know, featured. And, you know, got some tight, you know, speaking roles in commercials. But I saw Hollywood from the behind the scenes, you know, like people will suck a uh, casting director's dick to be a featured extra on the worst show on some crappy show you know it's and so part of your story <laughs> well i didn't suck any dick but what i'm saying is i saw that and i saw that you know i thought you were saying Hollywood. my bio and then you're including all this uh i'm, I'm just joking i know well i'm about to talk to you i just want to say is the hollywood connection is what really sparks mine is you had dissected hollywood so much i'm learning all this after the fact i wasn't woke while i was living in hollywood so seeing your oh. dissection of it for me was extra special it was extra cool i was like i was living in hollywood again so for me i just want to say i know that intro was about myself i need to shut the fuck up shut the front door excuse me i just want to say thank you for being on the castle and thank you for all your amazing work jay thanks dude yeah i i did i think when I first followed you on Twitter, I think I noticed that you had sent a video uh, that you were on a reality show. Was it a cooking show? Or I'm trying to remember what it was. No, okay, a dating well, show. 
Well, I've been on a bunch of reality shows. I I I worked for the show Cheaters here in Dallas. I signed an NDA, but that shows we oh, catch people okay. ch- cheating on their husbands and wives. So you can kind of dissect what that what, what I was doing for that show. I was basically, you know, one of you the producers the, for you that were cheating? show. Were you the cheater? No, I was the one that mm-hmm. found the. Che- I'm the one that found the cheater. Oh, but, so okay. you I, are the gigolo. I you yeah, you. well, I, I was like the the private detective, basically. But what I'm saying is, so so I worked there in college, so I kind of had the reality TV scoop, uh, and then I ended up going to Hollywood, getting on some reality TV shows there. It's trash. It's lowest lowest common denominator, Jay. You know, it is mm. what it is. But I was young. I wanted to do it. I want to be an entertainer. You know, I want to be a broadcaster. But I didn't really have a direction. You know, so I went on those reality TV shows. A lot of crazy experiences. We could talk about those all day. But and the dating one. What was it? Do you remember what the video? What happened on that? That you remembered me from? The video. No, I mean, am I remembering it correctly? I, I don't remember what. I was I on a dating show. I was on okay, a dating yeah, yeah. show. That was yeah. it. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. It was fucked up. It was an online dating show on Bravo. It was kind of cool that I got to go. See, that's how I got a taste of the of the Hollywood flavor. I got to be a guest on the Today Show. And so they fly you out to New York first class. They put you in a, you know. I met Charles Barkley as I'm checking into my hotel. But this isn't about me, Jay. I don't want to talk well, about me. No, I'm a loser. Was that, was that fun or what? Was it like shitty or fun? It was awesome for your ego at the time, at the time, but it was very draining. And like, you know, it's like you, I can tell Jay, I want an interview so bad. I'm all excited all, you know, but you know, you do so many interviews, it's draining, it's tiring. And it's especially draining when you're doing those fake bullcrap style interviews. It's just, it's different. It's even worse because you're going and they make it like my morning, wake up at 6 a.m., went on the Today Show, or we had to wake up earlier than that. Then for lunch, we wouldn't have this nice lunch at Roots Chris. They have a big picture of my favorite thing. I loved how you dissected the Sopranos. They have like a big picture of the Sopranos inside the Roots Chris at 30 Rockefeller Center. You're ordering a 32-ounce bone-in ribeye. You're drinking, you can have alcohol if you want. I mean, it's lunchtime. I don't, I think I maybe got a beer at the time. You know, just being, it was just a cool experience, but it was intoxicating. Uh, and I can see why these celebrities sell their souls because they want that constantly, I believe. I had Roots Chris two nights ago and a black woman in there poisoned me what that you know sometimes they're not that guy there i went to lsu and baton rouge that's where roost chris started and that was like the best restaurant roost chris isn't that like yeah i mean come on i don't even eat meat anymore jay i stopped eating red meat i'm that woke yeah i'm carnivore that's all i eat i know that's what i'm saying i'm anti you you know we're not the same like because i hear you always talk about why do you hold on why why do you Oh, for me, it's it's weird. Okay, so I was doing the keto. I lost a bunch of weight, and then my uh, digestion. I w- my digestion was terrible. Like I just was yeah. couldn't parking, hardly take a crap. Right. And so I was like, I'm just gonna try meatless, and I did it slow. Dude, my digestion because you're eating carbs. I got fatter because your body just absorbs the sugar and the carbs and the and mm-hmm. the vegetables. Because that's you're eating. Even though you're say you're eating healthy, I'm still eating a lot of pasta. I'm still eating a lot of fatty, you know, muffins, vegan cookies. You know why the fuck not? So you can replace it, but your digestion, because I'm not eating so much meat, my digestion, Jay, so different. So not for everybody. And I, I buy meat. I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, no meat. I, I'm a vegetarian. I'll eat cheese. I, and I buy, I'm, I have cats. I have four cats. I'm obsessed with my fucking cats. That's another You're weird a thing. Cat I'm a weird mom, guy. Seriously? I'm a cat mom. I'm primetime 99, the cat mom. I'm the king of cats. I, it's a random. I got two of them during the coronavirus were displaced. Jay, I'm an interesting cat, okay? But we're not talking about me. I, now you're interviewing me. I want to interview you. I started trying you. to talk about that black chick poisoning me. With, she, I think that what happened was, what had happened was I was in uh, a roof, Chris, right? And then I was the only, I was the only white dude up in there. 
And I think that was like, man, let's get that white dude. And so I think they went in the back <laughs> and they, I can't digest margarine. And they had gave me margarine. And so I was just damn for it all night, dude. Okay. Yeah, now that, that black chick did it on purpose. She was like, let's make that white boy fart all night. And it worked. Well, speaking of farting, if you have any sugar-free candy that makes you fart, Sean Waltman talked about that. Uh, he posted a tweet about that, just speaking of the diet stuff. Okay, well, let's talk about this because we're already trying to be funny. We're already being funny. I love it. How the fuck do you know Sam Hyde? How do you get Sam Hyde on InfoWars? That's like the... He doesn't ever do interviews. I mean, how does that... How do you get him to get... I mean, what do you tell him that motivates him to even be interviewed? I just can't believe that he would... Uh, he must trust you a lot, obviously. He's a hentai collector, so you basically have to find really rare hentai and send it <laughs> to him. And if it's if it's anything tentacle based, um, he'll do it. It's it's I found his weakness, so that's what you do. You just send him tentacle stuff. No, I uh, I don't know. I just asked him. I was like, "Do you want to come on?" Uh, We've been DMing for a long time, and I said, "Do you want to?" We talked about doing some stuff, and hopefully, I'd, I'd like to still do some some stuff. Uh, skit wise sketch wise but right when we were talking about doing that all the covid crap hit and that made that uh, pretty difficult and then uh i was like well do you want to just come on alex jones and he was like yeah sure so i don't know hopefully we can still do some other stuff that we bounced around some sketches to do but i just, have one already you do face off and you're both nick cage you they mess up and for some reason you're both nicholas cage because you guys both look like nick cage right uh have you seen the sketch where he kind of looks like nick cage which one the one where he throws the the glass i think he did it on purpose he the girl's face goes through the glass table okay look uh, at that uh, yeah, he yeah. looks yeah. he looks kind of like nick cage's not as much as you but kind of like Nick. well cage's. i noticed looking on the screen here i kind of have a cage-ish appearance I, when i uh when i eat straight meat and then lose weight i kind of have a slimmed face and, I, and there's a little bit of cage in there but actually my younger brother has more of a nicholas cage face than i do so i don't know well i guess i'm thinking about the impersonations jay is what i'm thinking about because you do impersonate him very well yeah but i'm not doing anything on your show without money you got to pay me for all that shit, dude. oh no i'm not asking you to do any no don't don't dance monkey don't dance i'm not asking you to dance i'm really worried about your diarrhea though from the the roost chris i just i, I hope it wasn't on purpose that would be black, bad. It was them black spies, dude. It was them BLM black spies trying to pull okay. me. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to do is I want to break, I want to like break this show, you know, make it a huge success. Then I can afford to live in the same neighborhood as Black Lives Matter. Like right now, my neighborhood's not that good. But if I can, if guys, and if y'all can donate conspiracycastle.live with enough donations from you guys, I will be able to live in the same neighborhood as Black Lives Matter. I can't afford to live in Rancho Cucamonga or wherever they bought it, where Rancho Santa Fe. Where did she buy that house, Patrice Culler? She bought it in like- uh, Oh yeah, uh, Topanga Canyon. Topanga Canyon. Okay, speaking of Canyon, let's start with that. Let's get a, not little serious. I don't want to be serious at all. Let's talk about Laurel Canyon. Is that a psyop? Like, like um, obviously we know they had that military hideout base, and now we know uh, what's his name's there. Jared Leto lives there, so that's a huge psyop or whatever. So tell me this: when you think about that, you know, center, the epicenter. What do we look at? Uh, uh, what's Jim Morrison's dad was a captain of the Gulf of Tonkin? You know, fake U-boat yeah. bullshit. Right. So I'm just saying, there's too many weird connections. Explain what do you think was really going on in Hollywood in that time? Because 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 this is what I want you to connect it to, to Aldous Huxley in like 1932. How did that connection? Like, how did they predict? 
What I'm trying to say is, did they predict it in the 30s, all this shit that's going to happen now, like Brave New World? Or did it kind of evolve? Did the globalist agenda kind of evolve into the 60s, and is it still evolving? Does that make sense, that question? Uh, no, that was pretty well planned out even before the 30s. There's a 1910, 1914 uh, essay by uh, Lord Birkenhead of the Royal Society, who it's, it's a famous uh, cosmopolitan magazine essay that uh, my buddy Tristan dug up. You can look it up. And in that, and, you know, that's 20 or 30 years before uh, Aldous, he says that there will be basically test tube babies and there will be screens everywhere and you'll be controlled by kind of a centralized technocratic government et cetera, et cetera. that was decades before huxley so i think actually huxley was kind of a exterior you know outer portico guy to promote stuff um and then the way that it kind of makes its way up to laurel canyon is that the um countercultural establishment uh, which they always have been establishment by the way they, the so-called counterculture um, in the 50s, the, the premieres and 60s premier uh, film studio was actually owned by the Air Force. And it, it had multiple A-lister directors, producers who had continual access to the to the studios. Disney, um, uh, Jimmy Stewart, Johnny Stewart, Howard Hawks, uh, um, Walt, uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, basically all the top of Hollywood would go and do projects there. They would film propaganda reels. You can go on YouTube right now and look up Jimmy Stewart, comma, Laurel Canyon, comma, declassified video. And you can see the old, the old videos that he would shoot there for just kind of air force propaganda. But this is the studio that actually put together the atomic bomb footage. So when I was writing my book, my first one back in 2016, 17, um, I actually had just come across Dave's work and material at that time. And so I actually had to go and rewrite the first few chapters to include <laughs> those kind of stunning stuff that Dave had dug up. Cause I mean, it's a never ending rabbit hole. You can always learn more about this topic. I, I, this was kind of what I focused on in my grad work and I didn't even, you know, scratch the surface going into the, you know, deep state connections to Hollywood and whatnot, but but yeah, so Laurel Canyon, I think, uh, is one of the great examples, as well as the Bond films. But the Bond films are another example of the deep connection between um, intelligence agencies and Hollywood. And we're um, going to get into Ian Fleming. I got questions about Ian Fleming. Yeah. Sorry, and, yeah, no, go ahead. I just want to talk all about Ian Fleming. Sorry. Yeah, so I mean, that, that's the thing is that, like, yeah, Laurel Canyon is just another one of these great examples where you have a kind of a burgeoning, uh, you know, test tube of so-called counterculture. But it just happens to be, you know, all of these really well, well uh, established elite families, um, their kids are there. Admiral Morrison's kid, Jim Morrison, right? He was involved in the Gulf of Tonkin. Um, you look at old pictures of Jim Morrison, he's totally clean cut, totally just a, like a dorky normie type of dude, right? And then um, uh, basically all of the, all of the people in that, in that scene that got popular right um were well connected there wasn't anybody that kind of organically just kind of came from nowhere um there might have been some early bands that didn't make it that didn't get very popular that came from nowhere but well, hey jay that, let me cut you off there's a little sure. trick you can do now they say go on wikipedia even now look up a celebrity and see if their dad's or mom's name is blue like if their dad's or mom's name is a celebrity and it's like uh, even now today the majority of celebrities if you go on wikipedia and look at their page they will have a parent. One of the parents will be have a you know notable page. Sorry, I just want to cut you off because I yeah, know no, it's that makes important. Sense. I mean, Hollywood, Hollywood royalty. But the, the thing about this is that it's not just like 
famous parents. It's people that have, you know, like a skull and bones connection, like Laura Dern's family, high level government, right? Uh, she's got relatives that were in FDR. I mean, uh, the Roosevelt's were her dad's uh, godparents. Um, she's got relatives that were skull and bones. I mean, it, it's just pretty astounding, the high level government connections. And I think that's the really kind of surprising part is that for being so so-called countercultural, you know, why is there so many people like um, Frank Zappa and his family, like his dad worked at the Edgewood Ar Arsenal doing bio warfare, biochemical warfare. I mean, it gets really crazy with, with uh, Zappa and the, the work that his dad did in terms of creating some of the more um, heinous kind of uh, hallucinogenic drugs. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of that drug. He, he came up well, with Well, speaking really of that, but Jake, yeah. didn't all those didn't all the psychedelics come from Nazis and uh, you know from Operation uh, Paperclip when we brought them over supposedly when they developed the OSS you know supposedly they were the ones dropping acid and and I mean I don't know if that's true but have you heard that that they were you know the designers of it and that they kind of took that plan to, uh, to, to tune in drop out you know basically like with using fentanyl today to poison us they were going to use it to poison us LSD because it well, was drug, yeah you know, potent, I mean drug right drug warfare is old as a type of psychological warfare or it's a form of warfare really i mean it's it's bio it's chemical warfare because you're you know if, if you ship opium to china you can evict the population and it it's uh, kind of degrades the population and we're seeing that now like kind of in a reverse effect because um you know china is involved in some of that in the u.s with fentanyl so um yeah that's a that's a type of warfare just like ec economics can be a type of warfare where you economically attack a country through uh banking through um, loans through debt, the IMF does this, World Bank does this. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And, I, and one of the things I'm trying to highlight with, uh, you know, kind of what Dave did for the music scene, I was kind of doing for Hollywood and looking at the way that Hollywood degrades the, the society through toxic culture. And the point being, is just, a, it's a lot more designed and organized than people think. And there's a lot more connection to kind of these shadowy groups. Um, and that they have a lot of say so right in what movies get made and, and who plays what role and even movies themselves actually show this there's a lot of movies that actually demonstrate this like wag the dog i don't know if you've ever seen that but that's a conspiracy classic well you know you know what i watched because of you inland empire dude that yeah. movie was sick dude that movie was I, I mean jay blew me away i'm like what the fuck is this movie and i've seen a lot of weird stuff but that movie really and that was because of your recommendation and I even was talking about that. I did a stream about that. Is you know, basically, I think that. I mean, if people have to see that movie, but I'd like to get your takeaway from it. What is it you can learn from other people's mistakes? Because you see the timeline of, of. I mean, what what do you think is the takeaway from a movie like that? I mean, this is a hard one, and it's not one that uh, I've actually done a uh, detailed breakdown of because it's so difficult. But it is one of the better examples if you follow it makes sense of it i've seen a lot many times obviously but um it's kind of david lynch's last take on hollywood it's in the train of lost highway and mahalan drive and it's about i think the metaphysics of a hollywood uh, collapse or a hollywood system right i mean the laura Dern character is basically flashing back to um e either a an a earlier version of her own life and kind of like a reincarnation <laughs> mindset i mean Lynch is into Tibetan Buddhism, so that would make sense if it's like reincarnation. But she sees these like Polish prostitutes that are being trafficked. And I think we're supposed to think that there's an analogy between the trafficking that goes on with, you know, like prostitutes and that kind of stuff maybe 100 years ago 
and the way that Hollywood traffics, right, in these kinds of people and people's souls, right, and people's uh, fame and fortune and future, basically have to sign yourself over in a kind of devil's deal pact type of thing. And I think that's what David Lynch is talking about, is the descent of madness that occurs. I mean, that's what Lost Highway is about. That's what Mulholland Drive is about. And that's what Inland Empire is about. But Inland Empire takes it to another level. It's like uh, a bad trip on acid. <laughs> yeah, AJ, I, I, mean, I know that. I, like a bad, like to the meta level, like a nightmare bad trip taking us. Dude, everybody needs to go watch Inland Empire. So we were talking about David Lynch and how creative he is, but so and he brings in the demonic, by the way. I forgot to say brings in the demonic and the Julia Ormond character. She mentions mind controls. She mentions uh, them spraying the skies and this kind of stuff with chemicals and poison. So, um, yeah, serious stuff. Okay, no, it really is hardcore. But let's get into. Let's get into Ian Fleming because that is for me, Jay. That was another thing, man. I'm mean, like, I'm not here to kiss your ass. People are like, you know, I'm a fanboying. Dude, I listened to all that James Bond stuff because when I was a kid, I got for Christmas the box set of James Bond, Moonraker, all the movies. Yep. So I used to watch them when I was a little kid. I didn't even know what the fuck was going on. I didn't know, you know? And and I and and now looking back, I mean, just all that, those movies I watch and the, the symbolism and symbology and all the hidden propaganda is unbelievable. And you breaking that down is like me watching it again. So why is Ian Fleming so powerful and how did he have all this knowledge and all this, like how the hell, we can say Huxley, all these social engineers, how do they have this knowledge? But how did Ian Fleming have all that knowledge in your opinion, with your estimate? Well, he was uh, a naval psyops guy, so he was in charge of um, psychological operations for the Navy, British intelligence for a while. And so he did a lot of operations and um, a lot of what he's putting into the stories and stuff that he saw. It's also combining the lives of other characters and other people. So it's not just him. It's, it's other people that he knew, other stories he had, he had heard. Um, and then even infamous characters like uh, villains like Le Chiffre uh, or... Um, uh, Blofeld are actually based on Alistair Crowley. So uh, that's because there's a story about um, another uh, MI6 uh, operative named Dennis Wheatley, who actually wrote a bunch of esoteric novels. Uh, he did The um, Devil Rides Out. Uh, if you've ever read that or watched that movie with Christopher Lee, that's actually worth watching because the Mokatha character in that, the villain, he's also based on Crowley, very Crowleyan villain. <clears throat> and then I love but Aleister Crowley. I love reading about not like him, but it, my favorite story about Aleister Crowley is this, is that he, one of his gimmicks, what do you think about this, is he would walk behind somebody in New York City, and this is why somebody thought he was a cultic. Obviously, I don't believe this at all, but this is what they thought. This is what he would do. And somebody, he would mimic the walk of somebody, and then all of a sudden, he would fall, and then supposedly the person in front of him would fall too. And people would be like, oh, oh, oh my God, Aleister Crowley. And so that was one of his tricks, and I just think that trick, every time I heard that story, I was like, that is... They did all kinds of tricks. So when you bring up Aleister Crowley, my antenna goes up because he's such a, I mean, huge guy in the occult. I mean, he is the occult, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the preeminent Satanist, I guess, of the 20th century. Um, but more interesting than all of that kind of Hollywood flashy stuff, stagecraft, was that he was uh, recruited as an asset for British intelligence. And so the character, um, Dennis Wheatley, was involved with a guy named Maxwell Knight in recruiting Crowley to make this uh, astrological prediction that would get Rudolf Hess to fly to Scotland. So the famous uh, evening flight where Rudolf Hess is arrested, um, that was partially engineered by British intelligence uh, and uh, Dennis Wheatley and the circles of Ian Fleming. So Ian Fleming didn't actually meet Crowley, but he was kind of involved in this, this 
asset usage of curly that they cooked up, which is kind of funny. But but yeah, so he so he had heard all these crazy stories about you know the, uh, curly's infamy, and he put that into a lot of the Bond villains, which a lot of people don't know. But it all kind of well, you know, and you know why I'm all. You know, I'm into Alistair Crowley, too, his connection with L. Ron Hubbard in Scientology. That was the first thing that kind of woke me up to like, what? There's there's mm -hmm. clandestine groups that meet in the dark. But see, Scientology, Jay, they try to put off the image that it's secret and you're not allowed. You know, that's the, the image they want to put off. I didn't realize that. And so that opened my eyes at like, oh, wow, there's secret organizations that don't want to put off the image that they're a secret organization. You know, they actually, you know, are a hide. So Scientology, for me, learning about L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons and all these Walt Disney, all these guys in the 60, Aleister Crowley. I mean, they, like, I read a book, or I didn't read a book. I read an excerpt from a book. It was his book. This is what they excerpt from one of his books. They said Aleister Crowley would go to a party, and he would find the person with the nastiest breath and have them spit in his mouth as, like, a parlor trick. Yes, so, and he would do this at parties with L. Ron Hubbard, and L. Ron Hubbard talked about this because like Elron, I mean, th these are the connection between the sex parties that they were supposed to be doing in Hollywood. That if you look, you look into the Scientology, and I believe they even talk about it in Going Clear, is that women actually came there to get impregnated because they thought they were getting impregnated with the seed of Satan, and they were, you know, they were on all these drugs and stuff. So you know, the, the connection with Elron Hubbard and Scientology. Do you ever go into Scientology? I don't know if I've heard you dissect Scientology. I guess you have, haven't you, Jay? A bunch. Uh, we have in the past. Yeah, I've done some older, um, did an interview that was pretty popular about four or five years ago where we did a deep dive into five different cults and we did cover Scientology as one of those cults. Um, and then I've done a lot of uh, essays where I cover the way that Scientology and Elra Hubbard connected to Hollywood. So in my books, there's a couple of places where I go into that. But a lot of people don't know that um, uh, there is a connection to uh, Eyes Wide Shut and Scientology with the sea org and the, the naval guy in the movie and then of course the jack parsons character right parsons and hubbard had you know this this kind of rivalry over the the women that they <laughs> went back and forth with but um so parsons and the, the uh, origin of the jet propulsion laboratory i mean that all connects to uh to hollywood and to hubbard um and then obviously with tom cruise and all that kind of stuff but a lot of people don't know that uh, just recently some research that was kind of speculative and stuff that I said for a long time. Um, this interview is four or five years ago talking about the CIA connections to Charles Manson and the, the recent deep dives that I've done into the serial killer stuff. Uh, it's now been confirmed. I finally got into the, the new book that's just come out by Tom O'Neill about uh, chaos in the 1960s. It confirms the CIA and Scientology connections to, to Manson. So that had been speculated for a long time. Um, and he dug up some solid evidence of that, including the fact that when Charles Manson was in prison, he went theta clear. So I think there's a definite- I have, to, I have to cut you off one thing, the theta clear in Scientology, Harmon, a guy who's a call-in show patron, he calls in the show all the time. He was uh, in California, was a prison guard in Manson's prison for three years. So you can't talk about Manson without bringing up Harmon. He's a, a very loyal fan. So you're telling me he got to theta clear, Jay, Charles yeah. Manson? Yeah, when he was in prison. So and then a lot of people don't know this. And the reason that's relevant is that, right, if there's CIA connections to, to Scientology, which obviously there is, um, my buddy Mark Hacker has done um, some uh, insight or some research into, like, why Russia has banned certain cults like Scientology or Jehovah's Witnesses, because they're fronts for intelligence work. Uh, so um, multiple cults have been banned from other countries, right, like, like that, precisely for those reasons. Um, I just posted that up on my rock pen if anybody wants to watch that old or listen to that old podcast that he did about, about Scientology. But that's another source that where we get into the intelligence connections to that 
uh, stuff that's more recent. But yeah, I mean, this this is a really deep rabbit hole. It goes really, really deep. And, and I mean, but see, that 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 could uh, again suggest like Manson being used by other people, right? So, uh, and and Dave talked about this too, right? Dave hit on the fact that there's there's clearly something more going on with Manson that suggests uh, organized crime perhaps ritual uh well obviously the ritual stuff but uh, contract killing uh and so that's another element that's turning up in a lot of the stories of the serial killers is that they're probably being used for more than just serial killing they're actually contract killers and they're connected to organized crime and that's another thesis of dave's right from in program to kill dave was kind of pioneering this thesis that the serial killers aren't just what we're told in the mainstream media do you think they're MK Ultra? Like, what do you think's going on now when we some look at everything? Some of them are, in fact, yeah. And some of them, like uh, in the case of Gary Heidnick, uh, we we know that Gary Heidnick was involved. He's a famous serial killer who started his own cult. He was in MK Ultra. Um, there's uh, some good circumstantial evidence that suggests that um, Dahmer was uh, perhaps in MK Ultra. He was actually stationed about 20 minutes away from where Gary Heidnick was stationed in Germany. I I got to say the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, that is so fucked up. Excuse me, I'm trying not to cuss less on my show, but if you look at Tony and John Podesta's art, and you look at the Podesta brothers, they are famous for having the actual dead body with the head cut off and their, 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 their curl. So they have that hanging up in their foyer of their nice stairwell. So in their biggest place where they can present it, they have art of Jeffrey Dahmer. So for me, when you say there's a connection, Dahmer had to be some sort of CIA, you know, government-created agent to murder i mean why would they why would these evil elitist and i don't like the word elitist you know what i mean why would these freaks like that if they didn't think he had some cool cachet about him well there the a lot of people don't know about the phoenix program which was an actual program to use and profile these kinds of psychopathic individuals and actually turn them into serial killers in vietnam this is a real admitted known cia program everybody can go look it up it was dreamt up i think by, by colby and the idea was let's take people that have these proclivities towards cannibalism and whatnot, and let's just sort of let them loose in, in Vietnam and uh, see what happens as uh, you know as they terrorize the Viet Cong. And then, what do you know? These people come back from Vietnam, right? Everybody knows the kind of like you know picturesque idea of the crazy vet, right? Oh, he's a Vietnam vet. Don't make a loud noise. He'll go crazy, right? You know, Lieutenant they, Dan. Um, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. You know. You know, like Apocalypse Now touched up, right? So, I mean, if you watch Apocalypse Now, that's actually kind of hinting at what I'm, I'm talking about, right? I mean, that Colonel Kurt's character goes nuts and he runs off in the, you know, into the uh, uh, jungle to become his own, you know, cult leader, god figure. He's worshipped by the cult. It's all right there in Apocalypse Now. Um, I didn't even know about, right? I mean, I always liked that movie growing up as a, as a movie buff. I had no idea that, it, that there was an actual program that the CIA had to create these kinds of guys. So point being, um, although we can't, I can't confirm that uh, Dahmer was in uh, the Phoenix program, it's very likely that they, if we know they had these programs, and I've just covered the fact that they, uh, Dr. Thomas Nehrut, uh, the naval psychologist back in the late 70s, early 80s, no, excuse me, uh, early 90s, it's a New York Times uh, article uh, where he talks about profiling to find psychopathic individuals to put into these programs. Um, and so, yes, they have assassination programs. And the point is that they wanted to see if they could tweak these people to uh, to kind of be weapons. And then what happens when they come back? Shocker, right? You get the phenomenon in the 80s, 70s and 80s of the serial killer. And it's, it's kind of dies away right after the 90s, after 
the last one that I can think of would be Israel Keys or uh, BTK. And both of those guys had military service. So it's not an accident that like 24 serial killers have uh, had a time of you know significant military service. Many of them even stationed in the same areas. Um, but yeah, you get the point. No, I get the point. And, and uh, you know, my favorite, though, Dave McGowan is wagging the moon doggy, you know, the moon landings. You know, I'm anti-NASA. That's, that's a, a, it's a funny book. That book's actually pretty funny. When you read it. It's, it's, well, I you expected, know, like, a really, like, nerdy book, but it's actually really hilarious when you read it. It really is. And the best part about it is the glove. It's like, these guys, you know, I think it was the Apollo 7, or what, I forget which Apollo was, but one of the astronauts couldn't hit the golf club that they snuck on space because his hand was too hurt because the mechanism in the glove was didn't fit his hand. So you're telling me they got a suit that can go from negative 250 degrees to positive 250 degrees that's airtight that we can't even test here on Earth, but they can't even get the hand mechanism on it to work? Give me a break. That Dave McGowan pointed that out, and I just was like, okay, okay, this guy's a genius, and that's why I like him. But but um, with the, w one thing I just want to talk about, though, is like in the secret spot, secret assassin, they're still doing that, Jay. They're still doing secret super uh, soldiers, don't you think? And, and were those programs, uh, those secret su super soldier programs, don't you think they're doing them on Joe Blows? Uh, you know what I mean? You know, they're doing them on not soldiers in this day and age. Do you think that's still going on is my question? I would imagine. I mean, I don't have definitive evidence of that happening right now, except that, I mean, what we're seeing right now with everybody and the, you know what, yeah. that's a version of that because, I mean, uh, what happens to MK Ultra when it gets shut down is that it just turns into uh, MK Search and MK Delta, and they move it to Fort Detrick, and it becomes a bio warfare, chemical warfare program uh, where they start testing like microchips and this kind of stuff. So when you see that recent, what was the CBS report about the nano gel for Koof, right? I'm sure you saw that and went around everywhere last week. I didn't with the nano Joe. I didn't see it. Was to say that again? I, I, right, so I, they were I, set right. So this was like a conspiracy, right? There's no such thing as a thing that's gonna, you know, go into your bloodstream, and there's no, there's oh, no nano. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I was. I didn't. But now it's all. It's in the major news last week, right? And so my point is that that's the kind of stuff that DARPA started doing. That is the continuation of MP Ultra. Just read. Well, Jade, let me. Mark. Read John Marx's book. The last chapter talks about that. Well, and Jay, let me bring up, I didn't want to bring up Alex Jones too much, but dude, you host the fourth hour of InfoWars. That is so badass. Alex Jones is a personal hero of mine. You know, everybody in the conspiracy world looks up to Alex Jones. Dude, he was right about everything. I mean, what the hell? I mean, all these guys, he was right literally about all the crap he was going to say you know no digital digital currency i mean patriot act 2.0 is right around the corner i mean mandatory you know what i mean literally everything he predicted and the frogs are turning gay they are turning asexual that's what pisses me off the most jay is i'm a comedian i like to joke you like to joke but the thing is they all say the frogs are turning gay they really are they're becoming asexual and they're not they're, they're sex organs i'm just saying that's what's so the, the nomenclature of society is so stupid is that that they're telling a fact that's actually real and they think it's fake. They're like, they're turning the frogs gay when the frogs are actually becoming gay. I'm not trying to harp on that too much, but that just shows you. This is my thing. This is what I always say, Jay. It's just society. 
A&W Hamburgers, when they got in business, they wanted to compete with McDonald's. So they did a, a nationwide market survey study. What they did was they wanted to compete with the quarter pounder burger. So what they did is they created a third pounder burger. The third pounder burger obviously is bigger. A third, a third of a pound is bigger than a quarter pound, right? So they did is in this market survey, they asked customers which burger they thought was bigger. And in the menu, they have one third or one fourth. Overwhelmingly, Jay. Everybody picked one-fourth because four is bigger than a three. So that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with retarded people. even yep. and, and, and we're dealing with people that are basically autistic. And, and it goes into all this Huxley, Brave New World. I, I, was, I was just thinking about that. It's like in that world, uh, what was it? You only get to your maturity of a 10-year-old. Is that how it works in Brave New World? Well, yeah, they have like different classes. So there's the alphas, the betas, the gammas, deltas, and then like the the slob slug basically janitor class like the omegas like the adiq slob class so yeah everything is rigid and um so i think the alphas have a little bit more they're more like teenagers uh but they're kind of like wild teenagers that can do what they want frat um, bros basically yeah 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 bro yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, it's a, that one's a really weird dystopia, right? Because you can't say no to, to humping anyone. If, if someone comes up and says, you have to hump me, you have to do it. And if you say no, like you get jailed. <laughs> so it's like you have to hump everyone at all times. It's pretty crazy. But uh, that's pretty much, I think, where we're going. We're, we were laughing at this uh, about that at dinner tonight, where it's like, and imagine anybody's just going to come up to you and be like, you know, I'm going to report you if you don't hump me or let me hump you right now. I mean, that's, that's where we're going. But uh, that's an overlooked forgotten element in Brave New World is that you have to have, uh, you know, sex with whoever at any time. You can't say no uh, because it's bigotry, right? It's discrimination if you say no. How dare you not accept, you know, putting your PP in your poop, in the poop, right? Or wherever else. Um, so Brave New World is the model. And I don't think he was uh, like trying to free us or, or like, warn us i think if you watch his berkeley speeches he's pretty much like in on it he's, he's getting off on the fact that they're going to bring in this technocratic society but there, there's a lot in both 1984 and brave new world if you, if you watch both of those or read both of those like the, i mean it really does tell you everything well i want i want to get into 1984 a little bit but i want to say with um uh brave new world one of the things that's happening now is is when they had the theaters the theaters there was like about century you know what was it called they like love flicks or something so it's basically softcore yeah. porn that's literally what's happening i mean that's i mean uh, it's like just it's like breasts and butts and explosions it's like something from idiocracy and that's, that's it. what it is. We are we're literally in idiocracy, Jay. I mean, you cannot deny that. So is there, I mean, is there a hope to get this train to the new world order, whatever you want to call it? I mean, I, I mean, haven't they already won, Jay? And I'm not trying to be nihilist. I'm not a nihilist. I think we can actually control our own universe and, you know, we can not be affected by these evil people because if we choose not to play their game. But there's going to be a lot of people that aren't smart enough, Jay, to not realize and they're going to be tricked by the magician. Can we save those people? Can we save these idiots, for lack of a better word? Uh, yeah, I think there's always hope for um, greater and greater numbers of people being awakened. As things get worse, there will be more and more people who do wake up. And I mean, I've been amazed that it, even what I, mean, I was black pilled probably 10 years ago, and then I keep being amazed at how many people do wake up. So I don't know if that's enough to save the West or to save our country. But uh, I, I mean, I think that there's a life beyond this life. So I'm not totally just worried about this life. Um, but 
I guess I would say there's different types of hope. So do I have hope for America? Not a whole lot, but I have hope for, you know, other things for perhaps maybe even a better future. Yeah, and I want to do that. I want to pull up M Melissa's picture. Uh, you know, we got to talk about your faith orthodox. Let me do a screen share. So Melissa DeCourcy is an awesome, she's a trainer, a yoga star. She's a really nice lady. And so this is her, Melissa. I want to give her a shout out. She's a big fan of yours. She's got your book even at her thing, Jay. Look at your ass. She's a real fan. So I know Melissa will enjoy that. So that is, I want to say, hey, so talk about your faith, Jay. Uh, you know, I see you always debating these people. And let me tell you something. I, I actually, I, my last name's Stein, but my dad never knew his dad and his dad was Jewish. I didn't, I wasn't raised Jewish. I wasn't raised, my dad's not religious at all. So when I was 17, I actually choose to get baptized. But so I'm a baby Christian. I'm a fake Christian. I'm not, I'm probably going to burn in hell. But I'm saying I vibe with Christianity. I think it's a cool thing. I'm okay with that, Jay. But this is my problem. This is the only thing is I love your faith and your passion. But when I look at the Catholic church, come on, let's call a spade a spade. And there's worse churches. I'm not saying the Catholic church is the worst church. I'm not Catholic, but, so, but I agree. I know. I know you're not, but you were. Uh, and I don't, I, I, I could never talk to you about anything about the theology. I'm just, I'm not, you know, you know a million times more than me. I'm just saying that the coming from that church, not saying you're part of that, I look at all religion, even Islam and stuff, is mm. kind of perverted and being used for manipulation. So, like, I, and I also don't really believe in an eternal hell, Jay. I know that sounds crazy, but that's kind of my viewpoint is I think that every connection with God is super, and this is going to say new age, you're going to call me a fag or something, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? It's, I, I, I don't know. I think our connection with God is individualistic because I know, Jay, that I've not talked to God, but I felt God's presence, you know, and, you know, when I prayed or during tough times, and maybe it wasn't the physical God, but it was my connection to a different realm or dimension and i feel like that's that's the case for everybody if you're looking for something you can find it anybody can i know that sounds a little general but there's a lot of different ways to uh a skin a cat right and i think there's a lot of different ways to connect to god is what i'm trying to say so inherently religion can be messed up by man but if there is one i think christianity is probably the best one <laughs> Is my thing. Well, I would say on your point about the papacy and the Roman Catholic Church, definitely agree there. Uh, I did spend a good amount of years there in that church and uh, saw a lot of problems and saw a lot of things that I couldn't reconcile, just outright contradictions in terms of the doctrine. And so uh, that sent me kind of just on a journey to investigate, see where I thought authentic Christianity was. And to me, it came, I came down to like, well, you know, it's going to be the Christianity of the first thousand years of the church, since that's the same between the East and the West. So I wasn't really interested in Protestantism. I was raised Protestant. I, I kind of knew what that was all about. Uh, and then I got into looking at orthodoxy many, many years ago, but I took a long time before I kind of settled into that. But my approach was uh, also not just like you know, like uh, uh, existential and, and and what do I feel here or there? Not that there's something wrong with that, but I also try to combine it with the philosophy angle because when I went to college, I studied a lot of philosophy. And so I wanted like rational, you know, like hard philosophic arguments, right? I don't mean evidence. You, you literally look for evidence. Sorry, but you literally- No, 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 even more it. than evidence. Even yeah. more than evidence, like a straight up like logical proof. Like I want the proof from logic. And so the closest thing to that ended up for me being what's called the transcendental argument for God's existence. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the transcendental argument. I think that's the strongest argument. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think Orthodox Christianity is, 
the real Christianity. Um, I think Roman Catholicism is a, a very dangerous system that um, has a lot of sincere people. I'm not trying to offend Catholics. I have a lot of friends that are Catholics. I, I love those people, but um, I don't think that the papacy and the Pope and that whole thing is good for people. So there's an important angle to this that a lot of people don't know about, which is like the whole history of the Vatican and how that ties into intelligence stuff and how that ties into the pedo trafficking stuff, which I've read a whole lot about is a part of the reason I left all that stuff is how crazy that world is. Um, but yes, that's all very real. Well, one thing I wanted to say, and I didn't make this point is, is they try to lie to us and tell us that we evolved from pond scum from a very early age. And so what I realized is there was a time when I would consider myself, I was never really an atheist because I always kind of spoke to God or I prayed, you know, even like maybe I prayed in foxholes that still I was maybe whatever, when I was in a bad spot, I've never not found God. But what I'm trying to say is, Jay, when I realized God was so real, when I, when they realized how hard they're trying to hide them. That's what I've realized is that they want us to literally make you and I think that we evolved from pond scum. And you look at uh, Darwin and the idea of evolution being the biggest joke in the world. It's a lie. And I think that lie is that one of the fundamental reasons why society doesn't have any significance because they make you think right. that you're some accidental, yeah. you know, stardust bullcrap. Well, did speaking of Brave New World, do you, did, have you heard me talk about the fact that there's a section in Brave New World where the characters discover that there's actually scientific evidence and proof for metaphysical things and for design in the universe and this kind of stuff. And the world socialist controller, Mustafa Mons, like, yeah, of course there is, but we suppress all that. We hide all that. And they're like, what? So yeah, we, we don't, we don't want people knowing that because that would disturb the fact that we're in control. That's literally what? in the book. That's what, but I'm saying, Jay, they're hiding the existence of God. That's why I look at you as I know, a, that's what I'm saying. That, that Mustafa Mon says that in the book. He's like, yes, we have to hide that. Because if, if there's a God, then we're not in control. The the guys say, the controller guy. Well, but we have free will, so they'd say how even there's a God, he gave us free will, so couldn't we still be in control if there's a God? I'm not trying to be, I'm just trying to be contrarian with that. No. No, no, I'm saying that the, the world social controller in the book. The yeah, I understand guy, that. Okay, yeah, he's saying that we hide the evidence and all that, right, that points to God. Even in science, he says we have to hide that because science has to be a domain of atheism. And that it can't point to anything like that because if it did, it would shake people's confidence in us, the world's social controllers that give the appearance of being like masters of science or whatever. That's all I was saying. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, you're right, out of our control. But do you think like... Well, what do you think about free will? I mean, God gives us free will, right? I mean, so are some things are in our control, Jay, or is everything absolutely controlled by God, in your opinion? Like, is everything predetermined? Oh, no, I, I, I believe we have free will, sure. But I'm saying, do you do you, do you come, I don't know enough about your faith, but do you think everything's already predetermined by God, what's going to happen? Or do you think, it, like, it could, you know, we can, are in control of it at all? I'm just curious. Oh, I seriously, yeah, I mean, I think that um, God is all-knowing, but I also think that it's possible if God's all-powerful that he can create a world where there are free beings. So um, I think that this is just uh, typically what's called compatibilism. I think that God's sovereignty is compatible with human freedom. I don't think that we know exactly all the mechanics of that, but I think that it's compatible.
Okay, and so now since we're talking about God, we have to talk about it. I've been watching your videos. I, I've been laughing to death. You've been going after Owen Benjamin. And I, you know, I, and there's, I, there's Owen Benjamin fans, I'm sure, in the chat. They're going to get mad at me. And I was an Owen Benjamin fan a little bit. Before, before he was famous, I was definitely his fan. And I was a fan of him after, but then he told people not to follow me on Instagram because I posted about mandatory vaccines at the beginning of something. So, you know, he, I didn't even, haven't even met the guy. I haven't even said five words. He told people not to follow me. So obviously, he's not my friend. And I know there's fans of him in the chat. But I just want to say, when you go after him, why is it the triad? Why is that such a big deal? Is it because he's blas blasphemizing the Trinity? What What is the... I'm just kind of want to know what the beef is there. I'm really interested, to be honest. Well, I wasn't uh, targeting him or go quote, going after him. That, that uh, guy, you just shared that video. That's right. You haven't gone after him. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, You haven't well, gone after I mean, him. He, he's, he's called me like everything in the book for the last year. I've never talked to the guy. I didn't say anything bad about him. I mean, it's, it's a nonstop. I don't thing. watch him. Wait, shut up. Either. He, I don't either. He's, he's been but, going after you. I didn't realize that. I didn't, I thought, oh yeah, I thought over, over a year. Um, I don't, oh. I don't know what his issue is, but, uh, so right. I mean, if, if you're an Orthodox Christian, you have kind of things that you hold to. And one of those would be the Trinity. Another thing would be the deity of Christ. Those are kind of the basics of our faith. So, for me, that I mean, we believe that that is Christianity, right? Authentic Christianity is Orthodox Christianity. So it's not that I have some vendetta against him. Again, I don't. I don't follow his content. I don't follow his what he talks about. I'm aware of him. I mean, every now and then people send me things that he says, but uh, I don't regularly follow his stuff. My point was just that my only problem uh, with him or what he talks about is that he says these, um, you know, what, what we would consider uh, blasphemous and heterodox things. That's it. So most of the time, though, when I did the, I did a video after he was kind of saying a lot of that stuff that people thought, oh, you're replying to him. No, actually, I'm about to debate a really famous Muslim. So the video, the video is preempting um, the, the sheik that I'm going to be debating. That's that's what I meant. It didn't have to do with Owen Benjamin, but it does happen to overlap because Owen Benjamin kind of makes um, Muslim types of arguments. But actually, my main interest isn't Owen Benjamin, but rather the. Many, and we've actually converted a, a pretty large number of Muslims in my Discord, so. Yeah, I know, your Discord's been really successful. You've been crushing in there. Okay, uh, um, speaking of, of of God, I think it was you telling me, was it, um, no, 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 I think it was it was something else was telling me about, uh, that was about the fall of Rome, it was something else. But tell me about, uh, we can, we can uh, you know, drop Owen Benjamin, but let's go into, the, we were talking about religion, this is my question is, what are some of the worst popes we've ever had, Jay? Because you know all about these popes. Your knowledge of, of you know, the, 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 the stuff you've read, the books you've read. I read it at sixth grade level, so I'm very jealous of your reading skills. And the books you read are insane. But explain to us, who are some of the worst? As long as you don't popes? go read with the sixth graders, then we would be a little... I'm one. No, I'm not allowed near. I'm not allowed near uh, any uh, school. So that oh, the restraining order is already in yeah, place. That's I'm, already in place. I'm just sure. <laughs> no, but exp explain to me, though. But tell me some of the... Uh, I just want to get into, you know, a little bit of the... Tell me some of the weirdest popes. I think you, you mentioned one weird pope, and I thought to myself, ask Jay about weird popes. Because you were talking about, wasn't there like some evil popes or something? What was it? You were saying something, and now I can't remember about it. Now, I'm so mad that I can't remember. I wrote down popes. I got I got my list of topics to talk to you about, and popes is one. And I'm like, why did I write down popes? I can't remember. You were saying something about popes, and it had me laughing. Well, there have been a lot of scandalous uh, popes, and uh, I don't mean to pick on Roman Catholics, of course, because, I mean, there's a lot of scandalous people in any church. But, I mean, I think the reason that it's a little easier to pick out scandals in the Roman Catholic world is because the whole church is built on one dude. I mean, 
right? I mean, the Pope is the successor and vicar of Christ, right? He's He is Peter in person, supposedly. Uh, and so, I mean, there have been a lot of good popes, at least in the first thousand years of the church. And then when we get to the second millennium, things get really weird. I mean, there was a period when there was three different popes in what's called the Great uh, Western Schism, where you have basically a French palace and three different dudes claiming to be the successor to Peter in France in a giant French palace. I mean, that's pretty weird. And then they did a lot of nepotism where they put their relatives in and you get a, uh, you get, by the time you get to the Medici's and the, the um, Renaissance papacy, you get like Alexander the fourth or sixth. I mean, he, he's the really notorious one that had like giant brothels and slept with his relatives. And I mean, just out there, that dude was crazy. And then there's supposedly like some of them were into Renaissance magic and, and this kind of stuff. Well, wasn't there a fourteen-year-old um, yeah. pope or something like Flagellan, or maybe that was a Roman emperor? I'm mixing. I'm uh, mixing there's a that. couple stories about this that are. I'm not saying that. I, I don't. There's a couple disputed cases. There's like the the, the the story of Pope Joan and then the story of the young pope. I, I don't actually know how true those things are, but I mean, there's no scandals in the papacy. Anyway. We don't need. We don't need that to like show that the papacy is scandalous. But I mean um vatican bank right i mean that gets set up and that's that's actually run by the rothschilds for several centuries which is i think scandalous um and then it becomes God. a giant <laughs> well it becomes a, a thing connected to the uh, cia and what's called the p are you familiar with the p2 lodge and all that um the vatican mm -hmm. bank scandal. no because and i don't even know what's the vatican one and vatican two jay i've always wanted to ask you that can you can you give so those me are councils that? the vatican one is a council called in the late 1800s to define papal infallibility so that the council calls, it, it defines this dogma. And then Vatican II happens in the 60s. And that's like the liberalization of the church of the Second Vatican Council. So they're important because there are two, like, you know, within 60 years or so, uh, councils, or excuse me, within, yeah, about 60, 70 years that kind of are the opposites of one another. Um, and then I think when we get to the modern day, we've got some really scandalous uh, papal activities, again, with most recently the Vatican Bank, which ties into organized crime. It ties, it ties into intelligence agencies and people being blackmailed via the PEDO stuff that everybody's heard about in terms of the uh, Roman Catholic world. And that also ties into money laundering in terms of the Vatican Bank. That's been in the news again consistently in the last 10 years nonstop. And it's connected to the PEDO stuff, which a lot of people don't know. So uh that's also uh you could say big time vatican scandals wow okay i mean <laughs> I, I, the, I the, new pope, the new pope for the first time in history recently uh had an ecumenical uh, interfaith gathering with yazidis and the reason this is relevant is that the mandeans and the yazidis uh worship satan they believe satan. i saw that yeah so this is a first for the Pope to actually pray with uh, Satan honoring uh, sects and sectarians, groups, cults. Well, I've read that. I've read what you posted. And isn't it like they're, the thing is that that they presented like they're sun worshipers, not Satan. Is that is that how they tried to make no, it? No, they worship they an angel that they think is symbolized by the peacock. And they, they call him Melech Taos, and he's the fallen angel. So fallen angel is, is Satan, so... Okay. Okay. Well, this is my question. So we got, you know, the Vatican, we got, okay, well, we know, um, you know, Rome is the religious capital of the world. Washington's the military capital of the world. London is the, the, you know, financial capital 
of the world. But if, in my opinion, if you're going to say that the Illuminati or whatever, lack of a better word, uh, uh, skull and bones, you know, these, this, this, this new world order, I'm almost thinking, Jay, that the new world order obviously is real, da, 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 but we're being run by multinational corporations that don't have a soul. And so now every corporation has a gay flag. We're gay. Oh my God. Xerox copies gay this month. I'm saying they don't have a soul. They don't really, they're not really connecting They're It's artificial. They are artificial companies that only care about a bottom line and a bottom dollar. So they're always going to use us as human cattle in order to grow their businesses. So when the world is run by multinational corporations, how isn't that bigger than the new world order or than, than, than Sumner Redstone by himself or whoever the fuck, you know I mean? Whoever these it's guys are. Like, than, it's bigger than the corp, the corporations because they will actually enact policies that hurt their bottom line. So it's more than, the bottom line making money i mean it's an actual social engineering agenda and that's why they're pushing all the same things that gil bates and everybody else pushes so absolutely well and you know they don't care about money because youtube i mean alphabet reported their best year ever 35 percent increase in uh in profits so what do you think is going to happen i mean uh, do you think the patriot act 2.0 do you think you know that uh, we're going to have apps on our phone like what do you see in the near future that we can say on the show? I, you've been very great with how uh, you use the words, but like, don't you think in the near future we're going to police ourselves very soon with our phones? Uh, that's my guess is that we're going to download the Acceler app or whatever this app is, and it's right. going to be our jail cell. Uh, and that's going to be in the very near future. And you're going to have to download it to get your social credit score. So how how soon do you see all this on the horizon? Because the digital currencies, I mean, you can't use cash anywhere in Dallas, basically. Yeah, I mean really soon i mean way sooner than i thought i mean the uh the coof uh definitely helped propel all that i mean i, I thought we got what 10 20 years before we would start seeing the stuff that the coop has fast forwarded up to now you know, it's very stressful. I mean, and you're talking about counterculture, how the counterculture is fake. So, Jay, aren't you the counterculture? Isn't Sam Hyde the counterculture? Because everything you see on Saturday Night Live sucks dick. It's the worst trash in the world. And they got Elon Musk hosting. Give me a fucking break. You know, Elon Musk, he sucks dick too. Um, I'm just saying nothing's funny. Sam Hyde is actually funny. He, they gave him a sliver of a show. He should have had a longer show. I'm just saying. And then they even took that away. Like they, his show was such a small show. I'm not saying it was small. It was a great show. I'm just saying they couldn't even give him that. He couldn't even have that show in in in, in pop culture. Like pop culture is so controlled. A guy can't even have a show. Like isn't that so sick? That's how censored we are. And a YouTube, you know, YouTube censorship. But dude. We are screwed. Nothing's funny. There's no humor. I mean, is there is there comedy in Brave New World? Is there comedy in 1984? No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, to to have comedy assumes that there's some functioning type of logic to show the absurdity of things. Right? Because I mean, comedy is about the absurd. So if there's the absurd, then there's the non-absurd, right? Which is rational, which is sensible, which is coherent, common sense, makes sense, etc. And so in the upside down world, you can't have that. You can't have truth being told through satire, uh, through through mocking absurdity, right? I mean, that's really what I try to do all the time is just mock the absurdity constantly because everything is so ridiculous. I mean, it's just so over the top, dumb, um, tarred world is where we're at. It's not clown world, it's clown tarred world. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just crazy. And they can't have that because that would, again, resonate with people. Right. I mean, if you make people laugh, it resonates probably better than anything else. So, um, yeah, I think it's really sad. Obviously, that was whole that was a whole bunch of just 
stupidity and jealousy. Actually, a lot of what happened to get Sam uh, canceled was people being jealous, people that weren't funny, that, you know, (laughs) I've noticed a lot of the social justice stuff is, I mean, I know this is kind of common sense too, but um, people have figured out they can use this as a weapon to go after people that are better than them, funnier than them, smarter than them, and more successful. And that's that they know they can use it as a weapon. And that's the sad part is that it works, right? So you can literally be the best comedian, the funniest guy, the smartest guy, which, I mean, I think Sam is that. And then somebody who's not funny, who's just a total social justice slug retard can get that. Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones is hosting the MVMA. She couldn't host a dog show. She couldn't host a, a, you know, uh, some of these comedians are so shitty and Sam Hyde, anybody that doesn't know Sam Hyde is the literal, I'm not going to kiss his ass too, but guy's a genius. He predicted that woman cop. He was just stream right before the woman cop, you know, that woman shot her. Did you see how he's talking about how if you're around a woman cop with a gun, you better have a bulletproof vest on because oh, you're going to get good, shot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he, he predicted that, um, but comedy's dead. And so that's, that's what my point I was trying to make is I have conspiracy castle 33. That's all their symbology. You know, a third of the angels cast it out of heaven, you know, and I try to mock it too, Jay. That's why I, my show is a comedy show, but I talk about serious subjects because there's no other way. If you don't talk about this subject, I, I get in so many loose traps where I watch these, these, these doom and gloom truth or videos. And it makes you want to freaking kill yourself after basically, you know, it makes you literally want to commit suicide. So I, when I saw you, Jay, I saw a guy that's being funny talking about it. I was like, I'm going to be like that. I saw Sam Hyde, you know, doing funny stuff. I'm going to be like that. I'm going to expose what's going on and I'm going to do it in a humorous way. So people can understand it because humor is dead, Jay. So that's why I'm such a fan of yours is you actually, even though you're a scholar and a book nerd, I mean, with all due respect, you're also funny and you're also relatable which that's what we need too because the people that they're po- they're they're putting out there these celebrities aren't relate nobody's relatable to us jay no they're garbage people dude and thank you for your kind words appreciate that yeah that was uh really sweet of you oh look we're already bromance i knew it i knew jazz gonna have you on the show i'm gonna bromance you down no but and and, and let's talk for like 10 more minutes can we take a couple more call can we take a call or two though here and, yeah, and, sure, okay fun. okay okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put the i'm gonna put the call in number and then and we'll talk for a couple minutes get people in line and we'll just take a couple calls i know i don't want to hold you all night i know you're a busy man jay but i got you here so i'm gonna take advantage of it while i got you here and i'm sure some people are gonna ask you some crazy questions so crazy you know, shit, dude. I, I don't doubt yeah Okay, and let me talk to you about this too, dude. So the debates, I love debating. But I, you know, I say when I say I love debating, you know what I mean. It's fun. It's it's annoying. And one of the topics for me is I consider myself a nine eleven expert. I mean, you know, I've looked, I've done so many hours of nine eleven research. I just feel like I could just talk it up and down. And I go on modern day debate and I do the, those debates. But tell me, why do you, why do you like the debates? Uh, I didn't get into debates or debating until I was in college and took some philosophy classes that dealt with uh, apologetics and debating the existence of God. And I just kind of fell into it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, just the strategy, the technique, the, the rhetoric, the, um, the prose, everything that goes into it. I really enjoyed it. And I just kept doing it. We did it. We used to do it. I was on the, the I guess you could call it the debate team. It was really just a philosophy club, but we called it that. And uh, we would do debates with professors even when, when we were undergrad. So I had a lot of practice. Um, I continued doing debate nonstop and it just kind of snowballed into a thing where I started getting requests to do 
debates with kind of you know e-celeb internet type figures and we did co-cash we did um jf we did uh, uh stuff all done a lot did, of legendary uh, ones yeah, yeah matt dillahunty and then we did uh dr shabir ali the famous muslim guy so and then we got some big ones coming up so i don't know it just snowballed it i don't not a thing I really ever planned to do. It's just something I kind of fell into just with study. I think if you study philosophy, if you do that in college and grad school, like you kind of get plugged into doing these weird things that most people don't do or aren't into, like debate. Like a lot of people find it really offensive. They're like, oh, I don't know. How dare you just love to debate? No, I don't actually enjoy disagreeing with people. I'm actually a very agreeable person uh, for the most part, unless it's a topic that I actually care about, right? So you're saying the big nine event. You know, I care about, you know, like the philosophical issues, theology, that kind of stuff. Those, I don't, most of the other stuff I don't care about. I don't, I don't really debate, uh, you know, standard stuff. I don't, I mean, politics, I don't really care about debating politics. But uh, I do, by the way, I've, I've put a lot of time into researching the Big Nine event as well. So I have been in debates with people about that. Not publicly, but like relatives. <laughs> yeah, people. That I got public ones. You got to see. I mean, that, that, that's my favorite. And I did. I debate the creation. You know, obviously that, you know, God is the creator. I've, I've debated, but I don't get into the, you know, theism of it. I just talk about how the Big Bang is just, dude, two rocks didn't smash together and the universe didn't come out of a rock's asshole. I mean, it's just, that's not, that's yeah, not how we yeah. got here. And that was created by one of your boys. What's that? Who what? The Jesuit created the Big Bang Theory. Wasn't it a pope or wasn't it a priest that created that? One of your boys? Bro, I'm not a Catholic, dude. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but you know, okay, is that, but is that, Are you the about the big, yeah, the Jesuits were involved in both uh, the rise of Big Bang and the rise of the promotion of Darwinism. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I sound that. I sound like an idiot. I, I I just thought orthodoxy was part of Catholicism, so it's no. not. So okay, I didn't realize that. I thought that was a. I I apologize. Bro, I thought that was like, dude. Like I debate. I don't know jack shit. Time. I debate I know. all the time. <laughs> it's okay. But I thought orthodoxy was like a part of Catholicism. Okay, see, I didn't realize that. So I the Roman Catholic Church. Well, it's two different uses of the word Catholic. Right? So the Roman Catholic Church is the Western Church that is in communion and follows the teachings of the Pope, right? And okay. sometimes the orthodox sometimes the Orthodox Church is called the Orthodox Catholic Church, but that's a different use of the word because they they mean whoever follows the Pope. We mean whatever the ancient church is from the first thousand years. So, uh, yeah, two different uses of the word, but we do not believe the papal doctrines of the last thousand years. When Vito Spadafore gave that construction worker a worker a blowjob in The Sopranos, how much did that affect you when you saw that scene? Did it affect you more? Not at all, when, because I'm not a Roman Catholic. <laughs> I'm just saying, but you know what? I'm, no, I'm talking about The Sopranos. I know they're. they're oh, Catholic. you're saying because they they would have bought they would have been turned on by that. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that, that was a joke. That was a joke. Yeah, I know. I think I kind of missed it on the lead. But tell me about this. So The Sopranos, the best show of all time. I'm a Sopranos junkie. And when you, you know, broke that down, yeah, I cool. love it. I mean, and when you think of, you know, guys, Christopher Maltasanti and, and Tony Soprano choking him out in the last season. He's killing his <laughs> Christy Maltasanti. I just can't believe. I just, that, that, that was such a good series. What do you think about that? Break that down. And what do you think about the... Um, you know they're making what is it called the king of uh oh yeah the uh pre is like a prequel young tony yeah and it's david like chase or whatever the guy it's yeah, the same guy yeah. uh young tony it's his son playing it and james right. gandolfini 
I uh, I had one interaction with him. Uh, I was an extra in that that movie with him and Jim Carrey, and I was you know with him on set all day. Couldn't have been a cooler, more magnanimous, nice guy. And people always say that. So I think James Gandolfini was probably probably the best actor. I know that might be the strong because I know you like about actors, but TV actor he had to be the best one of our generation of that generation of like the '90s and early 2000s, don't you think? Uh, good question. I haven't really thought about it. Um, yeah, you would definitely be up there. I mean, I think I don't. I can't think of anybody who could have played that character better. I mean, he he's just perfect for the role. He executed it perfectly. The show. I didn't watch it at the time. I didn't really care about TV at the time. I didn't think that ah, TV sucks. I've always been a kind of a, you know movie snob. Um, but that was my mistake because I, you know when I did go and watch Sopranos, I was really impressed. Um, definitely some really deep writing, excellent writing, uh, well executed on all fronts, but uh, a lot deeper than I thought. Like there's a lot of, there was a lot of philosophy, uh, that comes up in the Sopranos, way more than I expected. We did a whole, I think a two and a half hour, two, two hour, 45 minute podcast breaking down all of it, all the seasons. So yeah, I, I think Tony is the tragic dark hero. Uh, I think he's, it's a, it's obviously a tragedy. Uh, and I think he is dead at the end. That's the whole point. And there's many indicators, right, leading up. To he revealed it. He revealed it. David Chase in an article actually said the death scene recently yeah. when they were talking about there the movie. Go. So exactly. But but the tragic hero, you know, don't we love the tragic hero? I mean, isn't the tragic hero the the I mean the most interesting you know hero? Like, well, do we like the do we like the guy that doesn't have to take a couple lumps? I mean, don't we want the zero to hero? Don't we like that the tragic hero? I mean, the guy that doesn't make it at the end because we kind of want to relate to him too. You know what I mean? Like we don't want to be jealous of the person's success at the same time. It's just weird. We all have low self-esteem. So we kind of want to have a low self-esteem hero is what I'm trying to articulate. That's a good point. I mean, I, yeah, I think there's a place for uh, tragedy and comedy and uh, epic, I guess, in the sense of, uh, you know, a, a classical positive portrayal. I, all, all of those are useful. I mean, not everything has to be a tra I mean, Sopranos is a tragedy. I mean, it's, it's tragic. I mean, the whole it's kind of like The Godfather, like the whole and they even referenced, you know, The Godfather in the last sequence in the, in the diner. Um, the whole idea that the American dream will give you the happiness, prestige, the wealth, the thing that you're seeking to, for the good of the family ends up being the destruction of the family. And I mean, isn't that a great allegory for the temptation of America and Americanism and American dream? Exactly. I mean, and, and didn't wasn't you there's talking about how like La Casa Nostra or how like the mafia's rituals that was all taken out of Skull and Bones and taken out of uh, uh, the CIA. Well, it comes out it? of free, it comes out of Freemasonry. So Freemasonry, the, that's what it was. Yeah, the Italian armies uh, that were recruited by Garibaldi were all uh, in the Masonic lodges, and so he found revolutionaries to fight for him, the mafiosi, and they had been inducted into uh, Freemasonry. And he was, Garibaldi was influenced by Mazzini, who was kind of like the Albert Pike Freemason of Europe of that time. So that's where they got the Omerta ritual, the, the oath and all that uh, being brought in rituals from, from Freemasonry. Yeah. 
And Albert Pike, I mean, he created the 33 degrees of Freemasonry. I mean, he was the architecture or the architect of what, you know, what they practice today. And, you know, they said Albert Pike had some sort of ring that gave him special powers. What do you think about Albert Pike? And have you ever heard that story that he wore this ring that supposedly gave him special powers? Well, Masons like to tell these kind of fantastical tales like that. So I wouldn't put much stock in their kind of outlandish stories. I mean, they claim to have done everything and invented everything, which is just, I mean, they tell a lot of bullshit lies. So I, I don't buy that. However, I will say that uh, there is an interesting story about rings and magical rings in the history of America. If you go, kind of bring this uh, full circle back to the point with uh, David Lynch and Twin Peaks, if you get Mark Frost's book, um, The History of Twin Peaks, Secret History of Twin Peaks, um, it goes into L. Ron Hubbard, it goes into Scientology, it goes into <laughs> uh, Jack Parsons, and it goes into magic rings. Because if you remember in, in Twin Peaks, it's everybody who's kind of in that circle uh, of uh, Laura's dad wears that magical ring. And I think it references perhaps even like it references Crowley having this magic ring. It might reference Albert Pike having a ring. In the the ring book. came from something. It was like King Arthur's yeah. ring or something. It was from like it, it had this magnificent and it supposedly had a lineage to something they could go back to. Right. And it was like, so, I mean, I don't I don't know. And they said that, I mean, we're talking about a stupid ring. You know, we get in the weeds, we get deep in the rabbit hole. But I love talking about this stuff. So I definitely need to look into that. Yes, Mr. Frodo, don't talk about the ring anymore. <laughs> ah, Lord of the Rings. Now that's one I, I didn't watch. Are you a big Primetime Stein inside of Mordor? Primetime Stein 99. Okay, we got we're our first. Let's have our first caller. We're going to have Mark on. Mark is a good buddy of mine. Mark, welcome to the. It's going to take a second. Always takes a second. Pop out. Come on, Mark. He's joining. Let me do this right here. And we're at. And that's a. You know, I'm telling you, Jay. Thank you for coming on. I know it's been a pleasure. I don't want to keep you too long. So, you know, we'll get some questions in. I don't want to ruin your night. Mark, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. Your audio is all messed up. Is You're not you're not using the right speaker. I'm, I'm sorry. Now, Dude, dude's using a jigsaw as a speaker. Yeah, I think it's okay now. Talk. No, it sounds all fucked up. Don't talk into your jigsaw, dude. Just oh talk like goodness. that. Now, now it's fine. It's fine like that. Just don't talk into the mic. Talk like that. Okay. You can hear me. No, no, it's still fucked up. What the fuck? <laughs> All right, hold on. Sorry. How about now? It's a little better. Okay. You're quiet. Just go ahead. Just we'll make it work. Let me turn. Let me turn the audio. Let me. I think I can turn your audio up full blast. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Mark, I'm how you sorry, doing, man? Alex, I'm on the road. I don't have my normal setup. Jay, thank you for being here. How you doing, Jay? Doing good, dude. How are you? Um, I'm doing great. So I booked you on Tinfall Hat, and one of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about on that episode was the five mafia families. And you guys were talking about the Sopranos, so I figured you might want to bring that up. I know that's something you've been getting into recently. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, that... That's something I've been diving into that ties into the world of the serial killers and ties into the secret societies, like you said, like the mob, um, its origins, the Sicilian mafia comes out of the revolution in Italy in, in terms of uh, Garibaldi being influenced by Freemasonry. And so they, they take those Masonic rituals and they kind of bring it into their uh, version, I guess you could say, of a secret society. And so they operate in the exact same way. 
Um, and then there's a whole, you know, wild history to this about how they came to the U.S. And a lot of people don't know that in, in many cases, the top mobsters actually worked directly with the CIA, <laughs> naval intelligence, military intelligence in America. Um, and they did this for a long time. In fact, Sam Giancana worked with the CIA. He was the head of the Chicago outfit. A lot of people think that was what happened to JFK. Like he was involved in kind of contracting out, uh, being contracted out to be involved in the JFK event. Uh, Santos Traficante was connected to that. Dan Mitrione of the CIA pay, paid Traficante and Sam Giancana, I think $160,000 supposedly for killing Castro or perhaps uh, JFK as well. Um, and then, of course, the rise of Vegas, that's tied to intelligence with uh, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky. Meyer Lansky worked with the CIA. It was Lansky and Bugsy Siegel that, that set up uh, Vegas. Um, Don uh, Vito Genovese worked with the military to help the uh, U.S. win uh, in terms of operations against Mussolini. So that's just an unknown like arena. A lot of people just don't know that the CIA has worked. I mean, I got a book with me right now about the whole history of the, the CIA working with the mob. But um, so a lot of people think that like drug trafficking, like that you might have heard of the CIA being involved in drug trafficking, but the way they do it is with organized crime because they work with organized crime. So uh, that's why this is so relevant. And then the reason it ties to the serial killers is that I mean the the mob even had their own guild of serial killers, or you could call serial killers, which are contract killers, right? Uh, Murder Inc., right? So Murder Inc. was just a guild of contract killers and assassins that they could call up at any time. Um, and then I think some of the serial killers also function in that way too. Manson, Charles Ng, probably, um, Henry Lee Lucas, Hand of Death Cult, they were definitely involved in um, some contract killings. And, then, and, and even some of the, the serial killers themselves confessed to be contract killers for organized crime. Well, and, and we know when you look at the Iran-Contra and you look at the CIA was selling drugs, you know, with Nicaragua and trading guns for drugs, that they have, when, once, once the CIA gets these drugs, they have to give them to Mafia, Freeway Ricky Ross. They have to give them to outlets to get them on the street. So whether you guys want to believe it or not, if somebody's listening right now, the CIA doesn't work with drug dealers. Yeah, no, they do. It. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah, and you know how they drop it off? They drop a van off in the middle of Atlanta, and and and, and like somebody just knows to go get the van full. Of dope. It's yeah. that simple. People think it's like right. so hard. They literally drop a car full of dope. You don't know who dropped it off. You go pick up the car. There you go. It's that fucking simple. And it just pisses me off. I hate. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to cuss because you are a scholarly gentleman. But I'm just saying, it just pisses me off when people say, "Oh, the CIA is involved with the mafia," and I obviously believe you. But somebody would say, "Oh, you're a fucking liar." And it's like no. We're the opposite of that. We're the I mean, there was a whole the Tom Cruise movie about this. Go watch him. What was it? American Made, remember? American Made, Seale. yeah. It's all. It's, it's literally about Barry about Seale, Seale, right? Yeah, exactly. So, do, we just, do you remember you know, the 80s movie with uh, uh, um, Air America with Robert Downey Jr. and Mel Gibson? No, that sounds so good. I need to see Air no, America. Go watch it. It's, it's the CIA's drug airline in the 80s. Well, it's taking place during like Vietnam War. It's, it's the 70s, but the movie came out in the 80s. It's it's a it's a well-known 80s movie about Air America, which was the CIA's drug airline. And we know like cocaine and stuff in the 80s was like no big deal. I mean, it was just so rampant. I mean, it was just a proper operating procedure for people to snort cocaine from what my parents tell me you know maybe they just use that as an excuse because my parents were junkies but i don't know they're not junkies but you know what i mean maybe at the time they were partying okay mark I, we got another caller calling in anything else you want to say uh to the fabulous jay dyer before you go 
No, it's been a it's been a pleasure, Jay. I'd love to have you back on Tinfall Hat again, and even uh, my show. My family thinks I'm crazy, so I'll be in touch. And uh, yeah, it's not it. just your family. It's, it's not just family. I think you're crazy as well, Mark. So remember that. Well, you've been getting family. to know me a little better now, Alex. Yeah, so maybe yeah. But either not way, just thanks, your family. Jay. You should yeah, maybe I'd everybody. Love to come back on. And and what what's the next book that's coming out, Jay? What can we look forward to? Uh, I'm going to probably print a book of my old essays and I'm working on another book related to philosophy. And then hopefully eventually I'll do a uh, uh, esoteric Hollywood part three. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. Shut up, Mark. Sorry. Sorry. This is my complaint to you, Jay. Esoteric Hollywood two, not the remix, not the deuce, not. No, I mean, no, I know, but I'm saying you already did two. Why did you name it two? Why not? the remix the dude i'm just saying a guy as creative as you i can't believe you only went esoteric too i just that's my only complaint i don't know it'll be a trilogy so uh, i'll come so i guess you have to do it like that i know i'm just complaining because i just thought you'd have some freaking like esoteric universe i don't know dude i don't know it just seems like you read this is another thing jay i gotta how do you read all these books? And you you lift up your book, and that's what that's one thing. Another thing I'm disappointed. I'm not getting uh, bookshelf Jay Dyer. Bookshelf Jay Dyer is elite Jay Dyer. I'm getting. Well, I'm, in, uh, I'm in Florida, dude. I'm at Boomer. I know, Channel. I know. Look, I look know, at this art on the wall, dude. This is like the most Boomer Florida is, art is that, ever. So. Is that like an Airbnb uh, art? Yeah, it's just on? like like generic wheat flowing in the wind. Okay, we got another caller, but I got to ask you that question. So when you show me a book and you're reading a thousand, you were talking the other day about how you read a thousand page book. How do you literally sit down? And I read the news every day. I mean, I like to read a little. I'm not like saying I'm anti-reading. I'm not, I don't really read like you. But how long does it take you to read a thousand page book, Jay? Uh, well, the last thousand page book that I read was Tragedy and Hope, and that took a long time. Um, I'm still working through another thousand page book called... Uh, the, the book by David Wimhoff on John Courtney Murray. And that one, uh, I'm about halfway through that. So it, some, it just depends on how interested I am in the topic. If it's something I'm really interested in, I can do it pretty quick. But if it's something that's kind of boring and technical, it might take a long time. I don't know. Tragedy Hope did take a long time. I had to really work through that. I mean, it's just, that's a lot of reading. I mean, and I respect you, Jay. That just shows you how disciplined you are at like, I just can't believe the knowledge that some of the, the books you dive into. I just like what I'm saying is I don't have the balls to even do that, even to crack it open like I'm being serious. Brian, you're on the show. Welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. What do you got for Jay Dyer this evening? Uh, so you guys were talking about Vatican One and Two earlier, and I haven't looked into it yet, but I've heard that it has to do with the Jays infiltrating it, not the Jesuits, if you catch my drift. What are your Vatican, thoughts on that? Vatican One is uh, prior to any of that kind of um, infiltration theory, basically. I mean, unless you believe that there's something earlier than that with like Jesuits or something like that. Um, Vatican One was about papal infallibility, so it didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, Vatican, no, I mean, Vatican Two, yes, people people theorize that Vatican Two was also partly due to that. Okay, and. Um... Do you I, think that Jay? Do you think that Jay? That's possible that they uh, could I mean, have there's essays it? in there's essays in Look magazine that do describe the fact that the Jews had a lobby at Vatican II where they wanted documents like Nostra Aetate to be passed because Nostra Aetate has 
a favorable uh, view of the idea that Jews and Catholics and Muslims all worship the same God. So there is evidence of Nostra Tate having a lobby behind it, yes. Okay. Yeah, this is something I've been digging into is that uh, that Jesus may not, that his father, the Most High, may not be the Lord of the Old Testament, Yahweh. And um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And uh, Well, that that's an early church, uh, we would say a heresy called Marcionism. And if you look at the Gospel of John, for example, in John 5, Jesus identifies the father of the Old Testament as his father. And he says that the whole Old Testament was about him. In fact, he even says in John 5 that he was at Mount Sinai talking to Moses. So I would have to disagree with that. Okay. Um, So I've also been seeing this one verse over and over. So the beast is described as the leopard, the lion, and the bear, right? And um, there's, I believe there's a book in the New Testament that describes Yahweh as the lion, the leopard, and the bear. So the usage of this is in Daniel and Jeremiah in the Old Testament, and it's describing the world empires. So there's a succession of world empires um, that leads up to the Roman Empire, right? And so these four world empires are pictured either as uh, segments in Daniel's um, image. Uh, There's like four segments to the image, and then the last empire is Rome. Or it's four beasts, and the last beast is Rome. And so Jesus, for example, is prophesied in Daniel to be born uh, in that la- under the rule of that last empire or, or that last beast. And I, I believe that when John is writing the Apocalypse, he's writing to the first century Christians to be warned about the beast that existed in that day in Rome, Nero. So I think John's talking about Nero. If you look at Nero in terms of an anagram or in terms of Gematria, his name comes out to 666. So I think Nero is the best fit for 666 in terms of the first century. And that actually makes sense in terms of the immediate context, the audience he was writing for. Because John says at the beginning of the apocalypse that the things in this book are shortly to come to pass. And he's writing it to seven actual churches in Asia Minor. So the book makes the most sense in terms of its historical context about what Christians at that time were about to experience. So what you're talking about, though, with different names is what we would call, and I'm not trying to be rude, but it's what's called the word concept fallacy. And that's the idea that a symbol or a word can refer to different things and have different contexts. So, for example, um, a lion, right? Satan is uh, pictured like a lion devouring his prowl, uh, his prey, excuse me, prowling around devouring his prey, according to Peter. And Jesus is also called the lion of the tribe of Judah. So it's just different contexts, different symbols signifying different things for different reasons, right? So we call God a rock. Uh, we call the church a rock. It's just symbolic language. It's not identifying in every case uh, God with the beast or because the word is used in two different contexts. It's called the word concept fallacy. Okay. Isn't that you like, know, so just, real, real quick, Brian, now I want to give you, that's a question. Isn't that similar like the serpent seed theory? I mean, I know that's a different theory, but like, what do you think about that, Jay? Is that, 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 and I'm not just I'm just curious. I, no, I think that's say, a crazy uh, cult idea that the, the pe- people have asked Satan, about it. The Satan, the descendants of Satan are not biological people sprung. It, it's talking about the spiritual descendants of uh, that's anybody who doesn't follow Christ. Christ says is spiritually of Satan. He's not talking about your biological lineage. Just okay, and, go um, ahead, Brian. Sir. Uh, just the last point I want to make is, don't you find it strange that 
the God of the Old Testament is extremely wrathful and that Jesus seems to be very forgiving and that it almost seems like they're trying to tell us a story that God kind of like grew up and it seems that just seems very um, human like to me and not like the eternal creator. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I did I did a whole live stream addressing just this question. It's called Bible contradictions, Old Testament versus New Testament. And uh, I think that's actually a big misconception. Um, I think that there's plenty of verses in the Old Testament that talk about God's love. You could read Leviticus 17, 18, 19, where God says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the very thing that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 uh, in the Beatitudes. And there's plenty of texts in the New Testament, in the Gospels, the parables, where Jesus warns about his own judgment and the wrath that he will bring. And the Apocalypse talks about the wrath of the Lamb. So uh, I think that that's just a, a mischaracterization. Okay. All right. Well, well, Brian, anything else before I let you go? You asked some hardcore. What is your what is your theory, Brian? So you think God in the first testament is different than Jesus, is what you think? I think that El El Yon, the most high, the father that Jesus refers to, is um a different God outside of this physical realm, and that Jesus came in here to save us from this Yahweh Saturn moon. Time so literally like movie. Superman. So literally like the story of Superman. Uh, that's, uh, what's his face? I mean, he came from, about that. Yeah, I mean, you're saying God, so you're telling me some God sent Jesus here from, well, I mean, I get it. I get it. I like it. I mean, everybody has their different. I, 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 put, I put in the chat my, the live stream I did about addressing that question. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. Please go right, check it you. out. All right. All right. Thanks for coming on, Brian. Okay, well, let me tell you something, Jay. It's been, and let me, let's kind of wrap this up in the next 10 minutes okay. if we can, because it's been, and dude, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. But like, I, I want to say this, what do you think, this is what I believe, and you know, we're getting into spiritual stuff, but I, I, you look at, and I don't know enough about the Bible, so you're going to make funny, but the, uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 9, if you, you know, that's the Tower of Babel. If you flip that, that's 9-11. And the Tower of Babel, it's a story about, obviously you know this better than me, Nimrod trying to build a, you know, kingdom to heaven to try to kill God, right? You know, that's kind of just like the, the cliff notes of it. And so what I believe now is the modern day Tower of Babel. Once they get us under one ruler, that ruler is Satan. That is the world. And so then we're literally building we're killing God by becoming under one rule. It's like that is literally how they are going to kill God is once they get us under one rule. What do you think about that, Jay? Well, there's definitely a parallel to the idea of all of the world being under one ruler, Nimrod, and this, uh, this tower is intended to signify the unity of all humanity, right? Under one sort of pagan rulership. Uh, and then the image that's used in Daniel and Jeremiah of the, the four successive beasts is capturing capturing that same idea, right? Because those those pagan world empires wanted to have everybody under one sort of idolatrous world religious system, and that's definitely what we're seeing trying to be re-erected today. And from my vantage point, that backs up the Bible, right? Because the Bible is consistently telling us not that the Creator God is evil, but that the fallen angel Satan is evil and he's the one that tries to deceive us to, to get us to do uh you know wicked things to violate the ten commandments and jesus is the good god he's the one that's actually the creator god if you read john one it's jesus that is the creator right jesus isn't the one who's a demiurge an evil person prison imprisoning us so i mean contrary to what that guy that, that was just here I, I would suggest he read the gospel of john because john one the first chapter shows that jesus is the creator so if he's going to say that 
this world is created by an evil God, a Saturn or whatever, then he's going to have to figure out the, what John one is talking about because Jesus is the creator. No, I, I think God is good. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But but this is another thing when I was talking about hiding the creator. When you look at Hillary's leaked emails and she's talking about sacrificing chicken to Moloch, these people are obsessed with this Babylonian pagan society. And we can get into that. That's another question. This is an anti-Christian thing where people get mad about this. What do you think about Christmas trees? I mean, isn't that as pagan as it gets? Doesn't it specifically say not to cut down a tree and put a bunch of gold and twine on it and, and worship it? Well, that chapter in Jeremiah is not talking about a Christmas tree. It's talking about um, chopping down a tree and carving it into some form of a pagan deity. Um, no, it's just a symbol that the Christmas tree is just, uh, I mean, it's an evergreen, so it's symbolic of everlasting life. I mean, we have all kinds of like harmless traditions like this in culture that we still do that might have had origins in, quote, paganism, like the wedding ring, wearing a wedding ring is a Roman tradition, the names of the week. Uh, have the origins in, you know, Roman pagan traditions, but, you know, we don't sit around being superstitious and, and, you know, not celebrating birthdays because some cultures believe birthdays were connected to astrology. I mean, it's just silly, I think, to go that far with it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with reinterpreting or repurposing symbols that aren't in themselves bad. Um, I am going to have to go now, though. I've got some other things I've got to go do tonight. But Okay, um, no, I'll let you go. Did I... Did I, did I, did I hope I didn't make you upset asking that question. No, I'm not upset. I, I mean, I okay. do debates all the time. I don't, why would I be upset? I'm not debating at all. And you know, I'm not no, debating I'm saying, you at all. I'm saying this wouldn't upset me if I do debates. Oh, okay. 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 Good. Well, I just want to say, dude, thank you for coming on. Well, this is my last question. You were talking about De Beers. Sure. Can I ask you just one more question? What, what, yeah. what is the connection? Okay. De Beers created the, the engagement ring was totally bullcrap. That, that was basically created by De Beers too, because they had an, a oh, surplus yeah. of okay. diamonds. So, yeah, so wow. wearing a wedding, wedding ring. Oh, I know. I know. The pagan thing, I know, but I'm not even talking about that. Forget that. I don't think Christmas is Christmas is fine. Celebrate Christmas. I'm not anti-Christmas, Jay. I'm not trying to say that. I just thought that I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm a contrarian. I've read that. I just, you know, I asked that question. But what I'm talking about, the De Beers thing is aren't they some of the biggest social engineers in the world? Uh uh Jay is the De Beers people. Is that I heard you talking about that or, or am I off? Was that not you well, talking they, about De Beers? They did uh I mean, they do control a market, right? I mean, they're they're involved in controlling that market because I think diamonds are semi-precious. They're not actually that rare, but they control that market to control the supply, uh, which helps the price, you know, go up. And yeah, I think they've been involved in, uh, you know, social engineering and, and selling the idea that you need to, right, get this outlandish, uh, uh, you know, diamond for a wedding ring or whatever. I mean, but that's just kind of what corporations do. I mean, they do go back, so I think the, you know, Cecil Rhodes and the Royal Society setting up, um, you know, basically the slave labor camps in, in Africa and all that. So that's the origins of them is Cecil Rhodes. Yeah, if I recall. Well, Jay, thank you for coming on. I hope I didn't get mad asking that stupid Christmas tree. I'm not mad. I'm like, okay, I'm just okay, saying, cool. I, I'm just, I'm I do have to go here in a little bit. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's been a great. We've been an hour and a half. I'm going to upload this on the podcast. So if you guys can see, you know, RSS feed, and I don't think we talked about anything too bad. So I'm going to be able to leave the live stream up without having to edit it. And I just want to say before you go, guys, guys, everybody needs to go to jaysanalysis.com. You guys need to check out that. You can also go to Rockfin. You can join Rockfin. You can follow Jay on Rockfin. You can also follow him on YouTube. He's over 75,000 subs. And weren't you deleted when you had 100 subs or something? Did, haven't you had a channel deleted or was that on Instagram, Jay? Did no, I was, uh, I was demonetized uh, like oh, a right. year ago. And then uh, I had my website deleted two years ago from the uh, 
WordPress. So <laughs> I learned the hard way not to rely on a third party to host my website. So no, I have my own website now. I have, have for two years. Well, everybody needs to go support Jay. Dude, like I said, man, I've really looked up to a lot of the information you're putting out, your channel, especially all the Hollywood stuff. You know, the connection with Dave McGowan for me was a real eye-opening thing. And like, and it was really interesting because that that's the problem in society right now. They want to make like in the truth community, at least like pop culture is lame, but it's still interesting. Like I still grew up watching these movies. So listening yeah. to you talk about it and decode it is always interesting and i think some of your best work is the eyes wide shut and we look at these nice parties too. where where i'm just saying dude, this is real these are real things and eyes wide shut my last one thing i want to say is truth in the movies lies in the news so you can learn a lot by going and watching jay's analysis of <laughs> literally moonraker you can learn you're like what the fuck jay's talking about an old movie from you know the 70s uh, james bond and you're going to actually see all the connections to today and it's going to put a light bulb and be like this isn't an accident. Nothing's an accident. And uh, oh, last question, because we're talking about how old's the Earth? How old's the Earth? How old do you think? Uh, what do you? How old do you think the Earth is? Uh, I, I favor the younger view. Me too. Yeah, we're not. It's not old because uh, uh, carbon dating is absolute garbage. Anything else you want to say before you go, Jay? No, just uh, yeah. Look for me on the fourth hour of Alex Jones. Uh, you can follow me uh, on, uh, as you said, YouTube. Uh, I do an uh, archived. Um, lectures and talks for people that uh, are interested in learning like the global elites books and all that i summarize that you can get that 495 a month and then uh, my books sign copies at the shop at jay's analysis if you want to support my work and get us start hollywood one and two sign copies um and one last thing was my rockfin channel so i've been doing a lot of content over at rockfin and they're a, they're a really solid uh free speech based platform sam triple is over there richard groves over there whitney webb uh, Isaac Weishop, uh, Tristan, uh, all my buddies are over there. Well, I hope I could be friends with you, Jay, in the future because I look up to you, bud. So thank you, nice. my friend. Thank nice you man. for coming on the castle. And uh, it's been an honor. So, uh, you know, with that, peace and good night, Jay. See you guys. Later, dude. Have a good night.